Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Nicole Rodriguez. So Nicole has worked all over the world as a strength and conditioning coach. She's best known for her ability to coach movement and to get meaningful changes in movement patterns in order to make sure that athletes are performing optimally. And today I want to steal from her the three most impactful things that any coach can impart on their athletes. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Nicole onto the show. So Nicole, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for joining us. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yep. Um, My name is Nicole Rodriguez and I'm a physical development coach uh, currently working with the younger age groups. Um, Previously in the past, um, I was based in the U.S. working uh, with various American sports on the adult and professional level. And currently I'm based in Poland and I'm doing work in Poland, Slovakia and the Czech Republic along with some other European Union countries, but these are the primary countries that I'm uh, focusing on at the moment. And you've had a, a huge wealth of experience throughout different sports as well, so it's, it's really difficult to pin down one thing which you're good at, because you've got so many things which you can do really well. So today, what we wanted to discuss was um, how performance coaches can impact athletes in the most positive way possible. So with that in mind... We wanted to go through three things which you think are really important for physical performance coaches to do. Um, And therefore, quality or action number one, what do you think is the most important thing that physical performance coaches should be doing to impact their athletes? Um, To kind of take a step back in terms of uh, I do a lot of different things and wear a bunch of different hats, Um, my answers are going to be definitely based off of uh, the movement side of things. Um, What I do really well is I can analyze movement and I can coach and basically reteach movement. So um, in order for me to do that, uh, the first thing that I have to be able to um, do with my athletes is is be highly engaged. And that would be the, the first impactful thing that I would recommend all coaches to have a good system for for engagement. And what I mean by that is, is obviously not just having an excellent personality, as, as we all do, but in terms of how are we organizing our athletes, but more importantly, how are we selecting our program for this engagement piece? Because we are going to be working on many different qualities when it comes to working in a team setting, um, but we can find common denominators. And so those common denominators, for example, depending on which age group you're working on, um, would be something like proximal stability. And that is um, something that we all work on as coaches in our own different ways. But for me, being able to do that in an engaging, mindful way is is going to be one of the first steps. Um, So how we do that, working with the age groups and the population that I'm currently working with, which is basically primarily under 21, um, is we start with uh, a large sensory awareness piece and we start with a games piece. And we can talk about how we do that maybe a little bit later, but um, how we're essentially organizing that is you know, simple to complex, starting from the bottom, 
um, primarily in a bare position or half kneeling position and transitioning uh, transitioning uh, onto the feet. Um, but for us, engagement means obviously having attention from the athletes, but being to uh, engage the body in many different ways. And for us, it's through sensory work and primarily through tension. Um, so that could be doing different sorts of um, you know, contact type drills that could be doing different proximal stability drills with partner-based resistance and so forth and so on. So for me, um, no matter which age group I'm working with, that's, I actually have a plan for how I'm going to first engage with the group. And again, that's through games and tension-based drills. So I think that's, that's really interesting, right? So before you've gone into a session, you've planned, let's say, the, the content. You've gone in and planned how you're going to get people's attention and then how that's going to translate to their, to their learning. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And from, from an attention piece, you know, I'm not, for me personally, you know, my end goal is to teach them movement. Um, my end goal is to reset their body repattern reinforce so they can you know play and and train at high levels of, of intensity um so for me the the engagement piece is how am i um, not only you know getting their attention in terms of eye contact and all of the the soft skills which are which are important but for me how am i engaging them so they're able to create um you know, certain points of stability uh, and they can actually feel um, the aspects that we're trying to teach. I think that's, that's super interesting. And when it comes to developing that as a practitioner, how do you start to get good at that? Because I can imagine you can't just turn up on day one and be like, cool, I've got an engagement plan. Um, this is going to work. So how do, you, how do you start to develop those skills? Mm -hmm. no. So the first step for me is looking at the the key positions that I'm trying to teach. So, you know, if I'm working with field-based athletes, um, that it's primarily running-based, I know that the key positions are going to be um, acceleration, how to start, deceleration, how to stop, and rotation, right? How to stop fast and turn quick. Um, so, if I know, and this is a very simplified view of it, but if I know that those are, those are the key um, elements that I'm going to be focusing on um, throughout the training week, well, then my games piece is going to match um, those movement qualities. But again, we're going to be doing it from um, a tension, proximal stability perspective in the easiest way is to start, like I said earlier, from the bottom up. And then we can have um, different reaction type games where they're having to focus on stability. Um, so if you can imagine uh, someone is uh, in a bare position, you know, wrapped around, you know, wrap, wrapped, uh, arms wrapped around someone's leg and trying to uh, push from side to side, essentially what we're trying to do is use the trail leg if they're in the bare position, right? Use the outside leg to engage with the ground uh, to be able to push. So for me, if I'm working on any uh, multi-directional lateral type of work, that can be a key position that the athletes can get into because they're not only building in the bare position, right? Wrapped around the other person, um, tension with the push, 
but they're also starting to just pattern that trail leg and get a little um, foot activation, adductor, and of course, trunk activation. So for me, um, the way that a football player, a soccer player would find it highly engaging in the beginning of training to, you know, work with another player, pass, play Rondo, so forth and so on. Well, I'm going to do that exact same thing from a games perspective using the other person, the other teammate um, to engage from a, a skill perspective. And that's, that's super interesting. I just wanted to quickly ask you the bear position. Do you mean like a bear crawl position or do you mean a standing position? Uh, yeah, so from the bottom up, we would be, so imagine I'm in a bear position. Um, what what, what, what my, is the bear position? So triple flex position. So my knees are off the ground. Yeah. My hands and feet are on the ground. So my knees are, let's just say, two centimeters off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, if my head is facing one direction and you're my partner, Matt, uh, your head would be facing the other direction because it's going to be a little bit easier for our bodies to fit and push against each other. I would essentially, I find it easier if I wrap my arm in the, you know, basically through your hip flexor around your leg, and then you would essentially wrap your arm, you know, in front of my hip and through my leg so we can anchor off of each other. And essentially from that bare position facing opposite directions, both of our trail legs would be, um, engaged into the ground our bodies would be basically engaged into each other and we would be essentially trying to either push each other um, or we can simply take three steps right three steps left and we're basically having to work on controlling working together or we can just um, be a little bit more um, dynamic in a sense and just try to kind of push each other over in a in a control in a somewhat controlled fashion so <laughs> that's how that bear position would look but for me because I'm working with athletes that don't have traditional SNC so we don't have full weight rooms we don't you know they're not getting experience to the gym two three times a week so this is kind of my simple way of um, having that upper body and lower body connect um, to create, again, that tension from, from a total body perspective. But that's just one, one simple way of doing it. I think that's uh, absolutely excellent. It's super clear as well when you, when you go through the, exactly the positions, um, how you can build that up. And obviously, I can imagine 16-year-olds absolutely love doing that. They can uh, engage fully with uh, trying to smash each other around a little bit. But um, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine as long as it's not getting too chaotic, that's super fun for them. Um, in terms of like a, a second quality, which you think is super important for performance coaches, what would be your go-to uh, a place number two? Mm-hmm. So after the engagement piece, both of course mentally and physically, as we just discussed, um, the second most impactful thing for me um, to, to make change, to make an impression is to know some key resets, uh, resets of the body, so to speak. Um, that can happen because, again, our, our end goal for me is to, to teach movement quality so they're more efficient, more explosive, um, and able to, to play throughout an entire season. So for me, the resets can be as simple as um, really, you know, specific soft tissue um, modalities, which is the easiest one. Um, if you're working with physios, um, on site, if you have a, an integrated team, then something like dry needling, um, any of the chiropractic work can be also known as a reset. 
But for me, I'm a little bit of a one-man band uh, from that perspective where I don't have a physio with me um, throughout the entire day. So for me, I'm really big on doing things that a younger population would engage with. So for me, my population is under 21. And I have used heavily um, the reflexive performance reset drills, which is essentially also known as basic rubbing and scrubbing in, in key areas of the body um, to help activate and to help reset the body before we actually go through our uh, physical development work, whether that's movement quality, whether that's um, power and plyometric speed development or strength. So for me, in order for me to make an impact, um, I have to know these key reset um, modalities. So then I can repattern the athlete or reinforce that good movement that I'm looking for. Um, and then finally, right, reintroduce the load with the training sessions that we're going to be performing, whether that's a 15 to 20 minute training session, or if we have a 45 minute uh, strength and movement session plan for the day. So the second point for me is just kind of have a, a good library of resets um, so that we can actually work our plan of teaching good movement and good movement quality and good movement efficiency, as opposed to just, you know, how, how it can be just throwing out, you know, a bunch of different drills and have this large, you know, drill library, so to speak, but it's just um, not being performed um, as specific as we would like it to be, uh, especially in a situation like mine, where I'm only having uh, 15 minute blocks uh, three 15-minute box a day, for example, if I'm in a training camp. So in my current situation, working with uh, a basketball squad, I, I just got done with a camp for uh, a five-day camp. Basically, what I had for this first camp was uh, three set 15-minute blocks um, because they were essentially training three times during the week. Um, or sorry, three times during the day. And then we had some uh, rehabilitation blocks. And then we had, you know, one or two strength blocks. So basically what I tried to do with those three 15-minute blocks was organize those, those sessions into the first block being a general engagement, wake-up movement quality session. The second 15-minute block was a eccentric isometric loading um, session. Um, that was done on the side of the court. And then the third block is usually any of our actual S&C um, type of sessions. So the, for me, you know, knowing those key resets um, are going to be important factors. Absolutely excellent. And when it comes to that third quality then, what do you think is the third thing or third most important thing that practitioners can be doing? Um well, if you're working in the team setting or have or working alongside any other coaches, if you're not just a one-man band, um, for me, the thing that's going to make one of the, the biggest impacts as well is having clear communication. So what that means for me is I have everything written down on paper, but obviously now, right, I have everything written down on applications and in my computer and files and things like that. So for me, if I'm trying to execute a certain task, my first step is to clearly communicate with the coaching staff what, what my goals are and what I'm planning. 
the second step is to clearly communicate to the players um, when we're going, you know, real time through certain movements, right? W what the objective is. Um, and then finally, my last step for my personal population is to clearly communicate with the parents. And that's going to be usually through video and just kind of showing them what, what a session um, of SNC looks like when, when they come and work with us, um, with the team. And so for me, having that in that, that can be done many different ways. My choice is through video um, so that all parties can understand what's going on and kind of like an American football style, right? We can go through a little bit more video analysis on, on what's going on throughout, throughout the entire um, training camp or, or training week. I can imagine that's that's super impactful when there's a, a language barrier as well. I don't know how your your Polish is at the moment, but um, yeah, maybe it's uh, it's fantastic. But I can imagine it's quite difficult sometimes to communicate without that that visual feedback. It, yeah, you know, it is. My Polish is is probably the level of a third grader, um, but I can actually I can coach in Polish. Um, but for me, you know, that's probably my my strongest card that I have in my back pocket is. I, I communicate through movement, you know, I'm, I'm pushing, I'm almost 40 this year. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of pushing up a little bit towards age, but I've always managed to kind of keep my um, physical capabilities and my demonstrations on point so I can work with any population. Um, but yeah, when, when you don't have um, the language to, to be able to communicate in words, uh, video and physical demonstration is, is going to be a non-negotiable for sure. I think that's uh, some excellent advice. And before we run out of too much time, I want to flip it a little bit and look at what athletes can do to make sure that their their coaches are, um, yeah, performing these actions. So when it comes to the the athlete themselves, how can they ensure that their coach is is doing all of these fantastic things to make sure that they're uh, optimizing performance? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's a really good question. And that's probably one of the reasons that I transitioned from adult professional athletes down to the youth levels is because I it was difficult for me to see the athletes come in at 21, 22, 23 and not understand their body. So I think what the athlete can do is identify when they have a good team around them, whether that's a sport coach or physical development coaches and, and start to learn, right. These engaging pieces so they can kind of start to learn how to lead these, these pieces. Um, because for me, I always give our athletes opportunity for leadership and autonomy so they, they can, you know, pick the next couple of exercises. So what athletes can do is, is kind of play, you know, pay close attention, right? Not just be the bystander going through and doing what you're told, but, you know, just really trying to understand why um, and feel, not understand why, but mainly feel the objectives that the coach is trying to um, teach them that day. So for me, the athletes need to understand the, the right feelings. Um, and I think the, most importantly, the athlete needs to understand what their personal resets are. And it, let's say they transfer, they go on loan to a club that has no background on any of the things that we've talked about. 
Well, I think the athlete at a very young age, you know, starting 14, 15, 16, they need to understand what resets work for them, um, what techniques work for them so they can carry that um, through their career. And then finally, from a communication piece, hey, you know, just learn how to be um, clear, learn how to be concise with what they need and actually get comfortable from a mindset perspective saying this, I need blank. Um, you know, because I don't think us as humans do a very good job with that. Hey, this is what I need right, right now to get through this training week. This is what I need to get through this morning session, you know, and, and just being able to get comfortable with those words. I need blank. And then hopefully the person on the other end can hear you and help you um, get what you need. That also takes a lot of self-reflection as well, right? It's, uh, it might be easy to say, I need uh, whatever, but they also need to mm-hmm. know what they need, which uh, which can be difficult. Even uh, even the coaches themselves might not know sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it can be something, I mean, this is what happens after training, right? The, the players always want to, you know, shoot a little extra uh, work on finishing drills, you know, work on something that, that they that they feel that there's, you know, that's missing. And so that's just a matter of understanding, okay, what's missing from my skill perspective? And then, yeah, like you said, having that self-awareness of having or, or learning how to build that path on, on trying to get there. But for me, that's what youth development is all about, is, is teaching these athletes to figure out what they need and, and what they enjoy. And in terms of athletes who maybe don't have a performance coach, how can they um, get some of the the benefits of what you've described today? Is there is there anything that athletes without a performance coach can do? Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a tough one, huh? Um, you know, my angle is this: um, well, athletes that don't have performance coaches, I think they need to find. Um, respected organizations, um, respected platforms that have, you know, true professionals on there. I know my colleague, um, Barry Solen, who is uh, currently with Arsenal, is developing an incredible online platform uh, called Podium, where, you know, the best coaches in the world are going to be delivering services to athletes to, to fill this exact problem Um, So, you know, it's hard to find those trusted applications, organizations and resources. But, you know, that's ultimately my end goal is is to be that that global trusted source for developing athletes. Um, But, you know, I think the other thing that they need to do is, you know, hopefully find these key important pieces with their sport coaches, because. In my world, here in, in my part of the world, Poland, Slovakia, and the Czech Republic, um, it is not common for a U16 team, a U15 team, to have an SNC coach. Um, they might have someone part-time doing a 15-minute warm-up, and, and that's all they get. So we have to rely on the sport coaches, in this example, um, the, the football coaches, the soccer coaches, uh, to deliver good basic um you know, rehabilitation work, good basic warm-ups, good basic speed work. So I also think our industry, in our industry, there's a lot of room for growth for us doing a better job teaching and educating um, sports-specific coaches on how to do the simple things well. So, you know, to, to that athlete who's who's all alone, um, yeah, just 
try though try to have those trusted organizations and try to lean on your coach a little bit more to see um, how they can find support for you. Absolutely excellent. So Nicole, massive thanks for your time and effort today. It's been an absolutely fantastic podcast. I've really enjoyed it and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. All right. Have a nice day. Thanks everyone. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Nicole for all of her hard work in today's podcast. I really appreciate it and I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you want to make sure that you're being up to date on all of the latest information within the sports science world, get yourself into the Coach Academy completely for free using the link in the show notes. So click that link in just a few seconds time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a friend, an athlete, or even a colleague. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me and Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.